There's an incredible verse in the Old Testament that says uh, that the eyes of God are searching to and fro throughout the earth, and he's looking for people whose hearts are loyal to him, people that love the Lord, people who have a heart for God. And when God finds people like that, he uses them for great things. I'm in a series of sermons entitled The Incredibles. We're looking at different people from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, that God did that to. He used them in an incredible way. And today we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, and talk about how God turns nobodies into somebodies. Hebrews 11:32 says, And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of, and then there's our guy, Gideon. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts from your word, challenge our lives to be available and to be used by you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I believe that Gideon is a classic example of an ordinary person that God used in an extraordinary way. I don't know if you know much about Gideon. Some of you think he's just the guy that wrote the Bible in the uh, motel room. But uh, that's about the only humor I have for you this morning. That didn't go over too good. But here's the deal about Gideon. Gideon was a farm boy who turned into a national hero. Against incredible odds, he saved his nation. Uh, his nation, the people of Israel, was at the lowest point in their national history. They were spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally, and economically bankrupt. An enemy nation called the Midianites had come in like a swarm of locusts, about 135,000 strong. And they forced the people of Israel to go into hiding. And so now the people of Israel were living in caves, eking out an existence. Here's what I know. When things get bad, God looks for somebody that he can use to make things better. And God often uses unlikely people. For example, Gideon. Now, some of you have been sitting through these sermons and you're here today and you're thinking, you know, God could never use me. Well, don't bet on it. God often uses the most unlikely people. That's what the story of Gideon is all about, how God turns nobodies into somebodies. This is the story of the process that God uses to change losers into leaders. He turns zeros into heroes. He turns cowards into champions. And that's what happened in Gideon's life. And let me tell you, it can also happen in your life. We first find Gideon when he's hiding. He's hiding from the Midianites just like everybody else. Judges chapter 6 verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak tree at Ophrah that belonged to Joash. His son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Here's Gideon, just like every other Israelite, living in fear. Gideon was hiding in this wine press. He was threshing grain for his family that's living in a cave in these dark and desperate times when everyone in the nation had lost all hope. These people were driven to despair. You talk about bad, it was worse than bad. And then here comes this angel of the Lord. 
And he finds Gideon. And he says to Gideon in verse 12, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now the people in the 9 o'clock service laughed at that because it's funny. I mean, there's some irony in that. Here's Gideon hiding out. He's afraid of his own shadow. And this angel of the Lord said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. He was anything but that. He was a scaredy cat. So how did God change Gideon from being afraid of his own shadow to this mighty man of valor? Well, God took Gideon through this four-step process. And if you're willing to go through the four-step process, God can use you just like he used Gideon. Step one, God's affirmation. God affirmed Gideon with this incredible word of encouragement. This is the way I see this scenario. God looked and saw Gideon's potential, and he wanted Gideon to get a glimpse of what Gideon could be. God was looking at what Gideon could be, not what he was. God was looking at his potential. He said, you are a mighty warrior, a mighty man of valor. God saw his potential. It's not the first time we see this in Scripture, nor is it the last. Jesus did this quite often. Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, you're going to be a rock. Let me tell you, when Jesus said that to Peter, Peter was anything but a rock. He was Mr. Impulsive, Mr. Impetuous. But God said, Peter, I'm going to turn you into a rock. And God did. And Judges, God looked at Gideon and said, Gideon, you think you're a weakling, but you're not. You're really a mighty man of valor. Well, Gideon's reaction to this would probably be what our reaction would be. He started making excuses. He, he said, who, me? You've got to be kidding me. I'm no mighty man of valor. In fact, he, he said to the angel in verse 15, how could somebody like me save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. I mean, he was given all the excuses he could. I mean, you got to be kidding, God. I grew up on the south side of the tracks in Midland, Texas. My family was nobody, and I was the runt of the litter. Or something like that. Listen to this statement. It's, it's not earth-shattering, but I think it's so true. Many people miss God's plan for their life because they just can't see themselves in that role. You think about it. A whole lot of people miss out on God's good, acceptable, and perfect plan for their life because they just can't see themselves doing what God is asking them to do. I don't know, maybe you're here today and you can't see yourself as being an influential person for Jesus Christ. I don't know, do you think God could use you the way he used Gideon? If not, then this sermon is for you. God always starts with affirmation. He says, you can be more than you are right now. And church, would you please listen to that word of encouragement? Because that is affirmation from God today. You can be more than you are right now.
so much more. God had to expand Gideon's vision. So he said in verse 14 of Judges 6, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? God told Gideon three things here. Number one, I'm the one sending you to do this job. Number two, I am going to be with you as you go and do it. And number three, you cannot fail. That's pretty assuring, is it not? I'm sending you, I'm with you, and you're going to be a winner. You can't fail doing what I've asked you to do. Folks, listen to me. When you're doing God's will, God's way, you cannot fail. Because God's will is perfect, it's good, it's acceptable. God is saying to some of you in this room this morning, listen, dude, I'm with you. I'm sending you. You can't fail because I'm going before you. Romans chapter 8 verse 31 affirms, if God be for us, who can be against us? When God wants to change you from a loser into a leader... When God wants to change you from a coward into a champion, the first thing he does is affirm you and encourage you. You can do it. I mean, and you can. Listen to me, church, you can. You can change. You don't have to keep living the same old way you've been living. You don't have to keep messing up in the same old ways you've been messing up. You can change. God can turn you from a zero into a hero. He has the ability to do that. And today he's encouraging. He's saying, you can change. I can change you. You can be something you never thought you could be before. Just like he did with Gideon. Step two, God's revelation. After Gideon had this conversation with this angel, he said in verse 17, If I now have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here. I pray until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And the angel said, I will wait until you come back. And with that, Gideon ran home. Uh, Through great expense, he prepared this fantastic meal. He brought the meal and placed it before the angel, and that meal was supernaturally consumed. He then realized that he was talking to God. So it says in verse 22, Now Gideon perceived that this was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear, you shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord, and he called it, The Lord is Peace. Now, some interesting events here. The the sacrifice of the meal was supernaturally consumed. He realized that, hey, this, this is not just a person I'm talking to. This is the angel of God. He's afraid. The angel comforts him and encourages him. And notice what Gideon did after having that face to face encounter with God. He built an altar. What does an altar represent? Well, in the Old Testament, an altar always represented a personal commitment to God. It was a reminder. What Gideon was saying when he built this altar was this, I don't ever want to forget this that happened to me today. 
So I'm going to put some stones together and I'm going to make an altar here so that every time I pass by this place, I will remember that I encountered God here face to face. I had an experience with God. And guys, let me tell you, that's important to do stuff like that. It, it is important to, to make mental marks, to write dates down. I mean, to even take pictures. I've got pictures on my phone of places that I've been just by myself when it's just been me and God. And I had an encounter with God. There, there's a place on, on top of a mountain. There's a, there's a wooden bench there. And on that bench, I've literally laid my body out as a living sacrifice to God. And I've got a picture of that bench. And sometimes when I'm feeling all alone or abandoned or that my life doesn't matter, I'll go back and look at that picture. And I will remember the event when I laid before God and gave him everything. And that's what Gideon is doing here. He made this, this altar, an altar that he will always remember of this face-to-face -face encounter that he's had with God. But then notice this. He not only built the altar, he gave the altar a name. He named it, The Lord is Peace. Now, why would he do that? Well, he's getting ready to go into battle. His world is falling apart. There is chaos all around him. And yet he can say at this point, the Lord is peace. Church, listen to me. That is the natural consequence anytime you make a personal commitment to God. For the first time in Gideon's life, he felt at peace. He had peace with himself. He had peace of mind. Even though the circumstances around him were falling apart, he had this internal peace, and that was a result of this commitment that he had made to God. When you commit everything to God, there is a peace that comes about you that the world can't have. What's the lesson? Well, the lesson is this. Before you are ready to go out and fight external battles, you better make sure you have internal peace. Before you're ready to face the tough times that you're facing at work or at home or out in the world, you've got to have that internal peace that only comes through a personal growing relationship with the living God. Where do you get that? You do what Gideon did. You come to that point where you have a face-to-face -face encounter with God. And you commit everything to Him. And you hold nothing back. You give Him your problems, your troubles, your doubts. And in return, He gives you the peace that passes all understanding. Step number three is Gideon's confrontation. Or I could call it Gideon's test. God gave Gideon a test. And mark it down. Mark it down. God is going to give you a test. If you don't get anything else this morning from this message, understand this. Before God will ever use you in a significant way, He will first test you. A test of whether you're really going to trust Him and obey Him. It's what happened in Gideon's life. The background to this story is that during this time of oppression and depression in Israel, they had decided that they were going to serve everybody else's gods. All of the false idols from the nations around them. 
they adopted as their God. So here Israel was worshiping the one true God, but at the same time, they were worshiping all of these other false gods. They were compromising their faith. And God said, Gideon, I've got a job for you to do. Before you can go out and do anything else, I want you to go down and tear down the idol that your father built, that false god that is in the little village that you live in. Verse 25. It came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement. And take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image that you have cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it in the day, he did it at nighttime. Hmm. Wow. I got to do a timeout and ask you what's the idol in your life? What's the bell in your backyard? I told the first service people I'm not a betting man. You need to know that, okay? I don't. I don't make bets. I don't wager. But you know what? I think it'd be safe to say that most of the people in this room either have an idol or pretty close to it. Oh, we say we love God, but sometimes God is really not number one in our life. Sometimes we put other things in his place. God could not bless Gideon until he was ready to obey without question. And in this story, it shows us the three ways that God is going to test us. And he will test us in one of these three ways, if not all three of them. For example, God may test you spiritually. That's the test of who's going to be number one in your life. Is it going to be God or is it going to be something else? God had said in Exodus 20 verse 3, You shall have no other gods before me. In other words, God is saying, I want complete allegiance. I demand total obedience. I want to be number one in your life. And so the question for us becomes a spiritual question. Really, what is number one in my life? What is the bell that I'm keeping in the backyard? Almost said boat, but that... You know, an idol could be anything. Anything that we put before God, it could be a person, a career, a possession, a position of prominence, a status. It could be a place. It is something in our life that competes for our time and our energy, and if we're not careful, it becomes number one in our life. Whatever that thing is, it is an idol, and God says, cut it down. So do you need to do a little spiritual house cleaning? God may test you spiritually to see, really, what is number one in your life. 
Guys, I can't, I can't belabor this point enough because as life changes, those things change. And let me tell you, the devil makes certain that there's always something that is vying for your attention. Number two, God may test you emotionally. I want you to notice in this story whose altar it was. Who had built the Who owned the altar, the, the bell that Gideon was supposed to tear down? It was his dad's. His father had built it. It says that Gideon went and tore it down at night because he was afraid. He was afraid of his papa, <laughs> his family. You know, you know what we're talking about here? We're talking about Gideon having a confrontation with his family and with a family tradition. Let me tell you, this was an emotional test. Gideon was called to stand against his family. Sometimes following God means that you're going to have to stand alone. The point is this. Service for the Lord always begins at home. In your own backyard. God said, Gideon, before you can go out and take on the world, let's clean up your act right here at home, in your own family. Listen, church, service for God has to start at home. It doesn't matter what I say or what I do or what I accomplish. If my family is falling apart, what does it matter? Service for God starts at home. And so Gideon had to go home and clean up things at home before he could go save the world. Number three, God's test for you may be physical. There could be some physical test in your life that God will use to see just how willing you are to follow directions and instructions. Let me tell you, this was risky business for old brother Gideon. He had to tear down the town idol. It could have cost him his life. In fact, if you read on in the next few verses, you'll find that when the town folk woke up, the next morning the town formed a lynch mob and they came after Gideon. The point is this. If you really get serious about serving God, expect some fireworks. You may cause a riot. But Gideon obeyed God completely. Gideon passed the test. He did exactly what God had asked him to do. And I think that is pretty significant to see where Gideon was when this story began. He was a fraidy cat. He was scared to death. And now he's being bold and doing what God asked him to do. That brings us to the final step, step four, Gideon's transformation. Now, there's still a lot of doubt in Gideon's life. Gideon, Gideon is so much like you and me. You know, I think he wanted all the, the I's dotted and all the T's crossed. He wanted everything just to be mapped out for him. He, he, he had all kinds of doubt, and God went about answering those doubts. I, I found in my life sometimes God doesn't answer my fleeces that I put out like Gideon did, but God still wants obedience. Gideon trusted God, and God transformed his life. After the little fleece event that we're not going to talk about this morning, it says in verse 34 that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. He's ready for service now. He's ready to be a leader. The secret of Gideon's life is that now God is working through him. Church, listen to me. God works in the world. 
God is doing a work in our world today, but He always does it through people who are usable. God in Gideon, one plus God equals a majority. Now he had the power, now he had the confidence, now he had the strength to take on this mighty army. Gideon was transformed by God's spirit from a loser into a leader. I think there's an important point here. Power in the Christian life always comes after the test and not before the test. If I ask how many of you would like to have more of God's power in your life, I think all of you would say, I want more of God's power. Power to break bad habits. Power to be a stronger Christian. But do you realize that the path to power is through the test? He had to take a test. Go tear down the town idol. He passed the test. And now he had the power. The Spirit of the Lord had come upon Gideon. When you read the rest of Judges 6 and 7, you see what happens in this story. Gideon was now ready. He was transformed into a leader. He goes out. He blows this trumpet. And he says, everybody rally around. And thousands of people rally around him. A man who just a few weeks before was at the bottom of a wine press hiding out cries out, Who wants to go to battle for the Lord? And 32,000 men said, We will. That's great. But God said, Gideon, that's too many people. I want you to thin the ranks a little bit. Now, I don't know, I'm, I'm not a mathematician, but this just doesn't make good sense to me. The Bible tells us the enemy had 135,000 in their army. They were camped out in the valley. Now Gideon has 32,000 volunteers. And even though 32,000 is a lot of people, it's grossly underrated compared to 135 trained soldiers. God says, that's too many because I don't want the people to take credit for what I'm about to do because I'm about to do a miracle. So Gideon... You get up and you tell every one of those 32,000 people, everyone who is afraid, they can go home. So Gideon did. He got in front of me and says, Okay, we're about to go into battle with the Midianites. There's 135,000 of them and they're pretty mean. If you're afraid, you can go home. I don't know if Gideon was ready for it, but 22,000 turned around and went home. They hadn't gone through that four-step process yet, had they? The ironic part of it is that God said, Gideon, that's still too many. 10,000 is too many. So I'm going to do another test. Take these 10,000 down to the river and tell them to get a drink. And all the men who just lay flat on their belly and, and lap up water from the river, you send them home. But the men who kneel down with their spear handy and take their hands and cup the water up and drink water out of their hands, those are the ones that I have chosen. They're not careless. They're careful. They get to go on. Well, he took them down. He gave them the test. He sent another 9,700 home. That left 300 men. Wow. Wow. God not only often uses unlikely people, He has unlikely strategies, does He not? 
300 men against 135,000. Again, I'm no mathematician, but I think that's odds of about 450 to 1. Not very good odds at all. And then God goes on to say, Now Gideon, here are the weapons or the tools I want you to make sure every man has. For every man that goes into battle, number one, give them a clay pot. Well, that's going to do a lot of good, isn't it? Then I want you to give them a horn that they can blow, a trumpet, and then give them a torch. Gideon writes it down. Okay, clay pot, a horn, a torch. God's that it? God said, yeah, that's it. So in the middle of the night, Gideon takes his little band of 300 men. They surround the army of 135,000 Midianites, and God says to Gideon, Gideon, when I say go, you tell the men to blow the trumpets and make this shout, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Break their clay pots and the torch is going to shine. It's going to look like there are thousands of you and the enemy is going to panic and start fighting each other. Well, that's exactly what happened. Gideon gave the shout, they blew the trumpets, they made the shout, they broke the pots, the lights shone, the Midianites woke up, they began running around in their tents in their pajamas, pulling out their swords and stabbing one another. Over 100,000 Midianites were killed by each other that night while the Israelites just stood there and watched it happen. It was a tremendous victory. Gideon became a national hero Someone who just a few weeks before couldn't even tie his own shoes. But isn't that incredible how God works? How God can take a nobody and turn them into a somebody. I don't know, do, do you think God could use you in a way like that? The, the whole point of this message in Gideon's life is that we limit God by our own unbelief. God could do so much more in your life than you've ever imagined if you'll just be available. Let me tell you, that, that, that's the, the whole thrust of this entire series. Be humble and be available. I've, I've really not said this much, but I think I need to say it right now. If you're full of pride and you're full of ego and you think you're God's gift to the world, God's not going to use you. God resists the proud. And let me tell you something, friend. You don't have any reason to be prideful or to have an ego because we're all sinners away from God, nothing of our own. But let me tell you, God is searching right now. God is searching. His eyes are going to and fro throughout the whole earth. He's looking for some hearts that are humble, some hearts that are loyal to Him, some people who are available, somebody who is willing. And when God sees that person, He's going to use the fire out of them. I don't know how to say this correctly. I tried to say it first service, and I think I botched it up, but... I'm, I'm, really, I'm really seriously afraid of where our country is headed. It, it, it honestly, it frightens me 
The, the things that when I was a kid I took for granted and, you know, I mean, lived in the Bible Belt and everything was great and people respected God and people went to church and pe- people just respected the Christian values. And, and man, you know, that's gone. We live in a world of compromise, a world of tolerance where they tolerate everything except God. It, it's frightening. It really is. And I wonder, you know, how, how much worse can it get before God brings some divine judgment on America? If he did it to Israel, he's going to do it to us. But redemptively, I have to look at it through the eyes of Jesus. Jesus came to save. Jesus wants to transform Jesus has the power to change people. And God is all about change. He wants to change the world. He wants this to be a better place. But you know how he does it? Through people like you who are willing to say, yes, I'll be used by God. Can I just summarize Gideon's story? Gideon was a nobody who became a somebody because he said yes to God. You can make a difference in your home, in your school, where you work, in your neighborhood, in this community, in our world. Sometimes we're looking for the big thing we can do. What's the big thing I can do? Draw attention to myself. God's really not interested in those big things. What God wants is a person who's willing to do the little things. And every day, be faithful to do the right thing. I wonder if you'll step up to the plate today and say, God, you can count on me. I'll be one of those people. Heavenly Father, there's some...